Hello, everyone, and welcome back into Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are so excited to have back on our show the amazing playwright, Kate Wiley, who is here to talk to us about her new work, Sheltered, which is having a reading on Monday, March 13th at 6 p.m. at The Cell in Chelsea. Kate, welcome back to Whisper in the Wings. I'm so honored. I'm so happy to have you back with us. Thanks so much. It's fun to be back. I, I'm so Talking excited. Talking about a new show. Yes, I'm so excited about this. The last time we spoke, we were talking about your previous work that was at Theater for a New City, which was mm-hmm. And now we have this great new work, Sheltered. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about this show? Oh, I can tell you a lot about this show. <laughs> and it is a new work, but it's it's an old work as well. It's actually, because I, I, I realized it's it's the third play I ever wrote. And I started writing it back in 2014. And I worked on it for a couple of years when I lived in Denver. And it was originally set in Denver. And now I've, I've made it more abstract. So it's just set in any American city. And it's based on volunteer work that I did for many years in Denver with women experiencing homelessness. So all of the cast, there's eight Well, there's eight actors in the play. There's not eight characters. It's modeled after a Greek tragedy. So there are named characters, but there are also uh, members of the chorus, as there would be in a Greek Greek tragedy. And the chorus, in this production, we have four chorus members. In theory, it could be done with as few as three. And I've had visions of you could probably have... 12 people playing the chorus. It would just sort of depend on, on, on what, the, um, what the production wanted. But it had several staged readings in Denver, never a full production. And here at The Cell, I've, I've done a lot of script revision. And at some point, not this iteration, but the next iteration, whenever that may be, the play will have music. Because the Greek tragedies actually had music. The chorus sang their uh, lines. So that's that's what we're aiming for eventually. Now, you mentioned that you came up with the idea of the show while volunteering with homeless women back in Denver. Yes. I mean, how did you come up with the idea for, like, with the show, with the mm-hmm. purpose of all that? And I was really, um, I had just started to write plays seriously a couple years before that. And I, I think the working with these women w- was such a, such a mind-blowing experience in so many ways. I was so impressed by their their resilience their humor and and I got to know some of the women fairly well because I worked at a a church uh, well I volunteered with the church that I was a member of and and we would take in 20 women once a week and I would usually go once a month and do an overnight so I would sort of get there at six and spend the whole night and leave at six or seven in the morning so I I really got to chat with some of these women and, and then I got to meet some women who had previously been homeless, but were now housed. And they very generously would sit down with me for an hour and tell me their story. And the stories were so compelling. And I, I, I became convinced that women, that I really wanted to focus on women because the homeless crisis, in quotes, et cetera, et cetera, certainly in Denver at that time. And we're talking you know, 2012, 2013, the face of homelessness was certainly a man. Mm -hmm. And women experiencing homelessness 
did were not allowed in some of the shelters in Denver, and they're just so so the, there was a real problem of you know literally shelter beds, which is why the church program started. But I also learned that that for a lot of women, just because of the physical danger of not having a door that you can lock, they wanted to be sort of hidden. So there was this, there was this incredible paradox of on the one hand. The women that I spoke to, they said one of their biggest problems sort of in life was being looked at as if they were less than human or being ignored or made to feel invisible. So it's this kind of double whammy. On the one hand, nobody sees me. On the other hand, I don't want to be seen because it's dangerous to be seen because I'm so vulnerable. On the third hand, when people look at me, they, they see something less than human. One woman even said that she she started calling it the uh, the runover squirrel look. She said people look at me like I'm a runover squirrel, and that image. And there were so many other images and and just metaphors that they would use that really just struck me. And 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 I think also as a woman, I think a lot of women, independent women. Um, I've never been married. I think we have a sense somewhere when we pass someone who seems to be homeless or living on the streets that that we're not necessarily that far from them that you know lose your job lose your unemployment have trouble you know and obviously depending on the economy and the way you know various things go but this was this was post recession 2008 and and the economy was was not um, was not very strong and denver was getting more and more expensive at that time and housing was getting harder to find the way it is now. And of course, now it's worse. The homeless crisis in Denver is, is a bigger crisis than, than it was when I started working on this play. And it's quite different from here in New York. Denver does not have the, the law that New York has that, that by law, every person in New York has to have a shelter. Mm-hmm. So like, like you know, nobody, nobody should be living outside of and which you know, has its problems, obviously, because the shelters are pretty bad. Denver doesn't have a similar law. So there are certainly lots of people living in, in the parks or living in tents. So that was the impetus for the play. And I just, the whole sort of Greek tragedy piece came, as I started working on the play, I started just writing a lot of monologues, trying to sort of capture some of the stories that the women had told me. And with all the monologues, I realized that they were looking like a chorus. But then I thought I wanted to have a story to go along with the monologue. So I invented a story that was, again, based on a lot of the stuff that women had told me about a woman who had lost her daughter as a teenager and had turned to drugs and became homeless because of, of, because of that issue of addiction. And then I invented a character who was a sort of, <laughs> sort of me in a way, a volunteer at the homeless shelter, who's in fact looking for her mother, and her mother is this addict, and this volunteer is trying to bring the mother in, like get her home, and that's kind of the, the main narrative tension in the play is this mother daughter issue conflict. Wow, it sound. I mean, this is going to sound strange, I think at first, but it sounds like a very relatable story, in the sense that. What audience member has never seen these people that you've written? We, no sure. one can deny that they've seen these characters yeah. before. 
anywhere in their life. They may not identify like I am that person, but they mm-hmm. certainly can empathize with having recognized these characters you've created and getting to see these this heartbreaking story. I mean, I'm already this is you're just telling me the synopsis, and I'm already like, oh my god, I'm invested. <laughs> so you mentioned you wrote this originally back in 2012. Did I get that right? When you started writing 20, 2014, 2015. Yeah. And so this is another revision of it now here in New York, now in 2023. What has it been like developing this show? It's it's interesting because I actually had some trepidation about doing this residency at the cell with this play because it felt it felt old. I did a completely a, a complete revision back in 2020 after getting some advice from the literary manager at the Denver Center for the Performing Arts. Who, um, who told me to, to really think about the Greek piece and to make that a stronger element in the play. So I, I, I rewrote the play as kind of a, um, with the Trojan women, Euripides is the Trojan women in mind. And it was more sort of a literal tragedy. Mm-hmm. And I sent that to the cell to apply for a residency and they accepted it. And then I, when we started talking a few months ago, I said, you know, I, I have an earlier version that I really like but it's not it's it I don't think it's maybe as good as 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 what you've seen so they said well let's see the earlier one so what so what, this is this resident scene it's just been a couple of weeks of intensive rehearsal but it's been fabulous has been putting together the two versions of the script and adding adding some stuff based on the rehearsals so it's been it's been wonderful it's been and I've gotten completely re-energized about the play <laughs> Because of the actors and the director and the stage manager that I'm working with here. Oh, that's fantastic. It has a, has a happy ending. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Okay. I mean, because it is a very, <laughs> unfortunately, it is a very depressing subject. So it's nice to know that like, we're not going to like necessarily leave with that huge bummed feeling. I mean, there are some shows that deal with really serious and heartbreaking mm-hmm. matters. It's nice that you can leave a show and to be like, okay, I know I can't solve all the world's problems, but I have a little bit of motivation, a little um, to go out there and, I don't know, do something good. If that makes any sense at all. It does make sense. And don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. The play does not have a happy ending. It is a tragedy. But I, what I realized in, in, in Denver, and, and I was fortunate that several women who were living in shelters or who had formerly lived in shelters were able to see the readings and give me feedback. And they mostly said things like, that's my life up there. And, and so that was very, very gratifying that I really felt like I had represented these women in a, in a fairly accurate way, even though, of course, it's, it's a play and it's not, it's not even realism. It's not that kind of a play. But I think so much of it is just the, the, the seeing and, and, and women feeling invisible. And, and I think, you know, and, and here, of course, I think a, a lot of us in New York have interactions with homeless people on the subway. Right. And I think just if you can afford to not ignore people, I mean, you don't have to constantly be fishing in your wallet and, and, and passing out cash, but just acknowledging their existence. And of course, it's tricky because sometimes you, you have to be careful. You don't want to meet somebody's eye because then that can start a whole thing that you may not want to get involved with for perfectly good reason. So it's, you know, it's, 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 it's a dance. I think that we all do. 
And and in Denver, there's public transportation, but it's, it certainly isn't as extensive as here. But a lot of it in Denver was people would be on street corners with signs, hoping that pe- when people were stopped at a red light, that they would roll down the window and give them something. That was, you know, that was kind of the majority of people that you saw in Denver. And yeah, again, just not, not pretending they're not there. That's, you know, that's really, and, and, and it's, it's hard because we, we also want to feel safe. We worry that they have a mental illness, which they very well may. So yeah, it's, it's a dance. I think that we, that we all do. And of course the reality is given the economy, given the political situation of the cost of housing and development, the problem's only gotten worse, right? Okay. And, you know, I think cities like Los Angeles, San Francisco, lots of middle and upper middle class people are leaving those cities because they are tired of dealing with all of these people who don't have anywhere to live. So with your show, with Sheltered, as we're, we're dealing with this Greek tragedy and mm-hmm. this, this woman volunteering at a shelter and also looking for her mom, what is the message or thought you're hoping the audiences will leave with? Oh, my goodness. Well, I think just, you know, just as, we, as we've been saying that people experiencing homelessness are, are human and shouldn't, shouldn't be treated as if they're not there. And, and there's a reason that people are in this situation. And, and the reason often is, is sort of a snowball that, you know, you lose one thing, then you lose another thing and you lose another thing. And then you get to the point where you've lost almost everything. And, and that's not... So, I, you know, I sort of imagine that sort of train of losses for several of the characters. And if you can, if you can imagine that, then maybe you'll, you'll realize, oh, you know, these people are not necessarily sort of the enemy. Yeah, it's no, it's tough because it's not, you know, it's not sort of an advocacy. I mean, I, I, I suppose it could be. I mean, I'm, you know, there aren't going to be a bunch of like nonprofits here <laughs> sort of passing out leaflets. Yeah, and you know it's it, it's tricky because it's not just about sort of helping the homeless. It's about understanding that that the that the system, and, and and the way development works, and the way housing is regulated or not regulated, the way price that that's all tied up. And you know, there's lots of groups here that Metro Tenants Council that that work on trying to keep rent stabilized. And just there's that song, "Oh the rent, oh the rent, oh the rent is too damn high, oh the rent, oh the rent." And it's just like, yeah, that's that's about it. That explains, really. If 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 the cost of housing is astronomical, you're going to have more people on the streets. That's just simple reality. So the last question I want to ask of this first part is, who do you hope have access to the show? Well, okay. <laughs> here's here's the reality of, of doing the residency at the cell. It is an incubation sort of space. So the the point of this has been for me to develop the script with the actors and the director and the dramaturg. And that has been very successful. The script has changed quite a bit since we started just a week ago. It's like, it feels like it's been two months and it's only been a week. So eventually the, the, the goal is that some larger venue will produce the play. And that's, you know, that's sort of the next step. And then in terms of accessibility, I mean, I would love to see this play sort of performed by like community groups, community centers, you know, not necessarily professional actors because there, you know, there, there are so many, the, the chorus could be divvied up among eight or 10 actors or 12 actors even. 
And I think it would be great for places that maybe don't do a lot of theater or have a lot of access to professional theater to do a play like this and to see, oh, you know, plays don't have to be, they, you know, they don't have to look like TV shows. They don't have to be, you know, all singing and dancing. And, you know, they, they can be about people with, you know, real people with real problems. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'd say that, I, you know, I would like everyone to see it eventually. <laughs> Now, I want to move on to the second part of the interview. And Mm -hmm. we've obviously had you on our show before. Last time we spoke with you after seeing your amazing show, Two Truths and a Lie, which I'm still over the moon about. It was such a great show. But I thought I'd ask a little bit again, kind of check in, see if anything's changed, I guess. Remind our listeners a bit about you and start off by asking, you know, who who have inspired you? What shows have inspired you or continue to inspire you? Playwrights, composers. Mm -hmm. What what inspires the great Kate Wyatt? (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, my director said that that Sheltered reminds her of Carol Churchill, which, of course, put me over the moon because Carol Churchill is such a brilliant playwright. So that was exciting. The last play that I saw here that I that I was that I was super super memorable was um, Adrian Kennedy's The Ohio State Murders. Oh, Did you see that? I saw that at the the James Earl Jones Theater. And yeah, that was. And so, I just oh. Adrian Kennedy is such an interesting playwright, and I've read a lot of her work, and I, I think her her work is very difficult because it's so completely uniquely hers. And on the one hand, it's very personal, it's very lyrical, but it's also very political. And I'm I'm realizing that very much unlike Two Truths and a Lie, I'm going back to more sort of lyrical writing that is less less realistic. So the so the short shorter plays that I've started working on in the last year or so have been almost well like verse dramas. And I think, you know, Adrian Kennedy isn't literally writing verse drama. But her stuff is very, very poetic and very, I don't want to say painterly, but it's, there's something and it's, it's like hyper dramatic almost, right? And of course that set, I thought that set was brilliant with all those like books just kind of like suspended. And then the various male characters, the professor and the, well, and then there was the, there was another woman. Anyway, the other characters who came in just seemed to come from nowhere. I just, and they were all sort of in her head, right? It was just, um, I thought that was so fascinating. So my plan is to to read all of Adrian Kennedy and then sort of as, as I'm working on new stuff and see if I can somehow sort of <laughs> get into her head. You are well on your way. I absolutely oh, adore <laughs> your work. I, yeah. I'm a huge fan of yours. But that's a perfect segue into my next question, which is, have you seen any great theater lately? The last time we had you on, I mean, you were you were doling out all these great shows you were about to see. And I was like, I got to get this down. So, I mean, have you have you seen any <laughs> shows lately? Well, I mean, when was um when was the Kennedy? Was that in January? January. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah. And I'm trying to like ask. I mean, I, I saw an interesting Maria Irina Fornes, but I think that might have been back in December or January down at Mabu Mines which is in the East Village. They've been around a long, long time. 
sort of another kind of experimental space. And Maria Irina Fornes, kind of like Adrian Kennedy, was this sort of under the radar, amazing woman playwright who just died a few years ago. And this play was called uh, Mud. And it just, it's impossible to describe her work. It's just very theatrical, very surreal. She worked with Sam Shepard many, oh. many, many years ago. So yeah, anyway, so I saw, and that was, that was fun. Amazing. You yeah, know, um, yeah. Um, Actually, I did, I saw, the, I saw the appointment um, a few weeks ago and I can't believe, I can't remember the author. Well, it was a, it's kind of a group. We had them on our show. I know exactly who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Fire, Firehouse Theater Company? Yeah. Is they're that out who of they Pennsylvania. Are? Uh, yeah. But yeah. That was I such a brilliant was... show. Oh my gosh. It was so funny. That, yeah. So, you know. It's, and it was so timely. That's the thing. Yeah. I love that they came on our show. Yeah. And she's like, are you sure yeah. you want to talk about this? And I said, am I sure? Yeah. This is an important, like, this It was is a important. great show. Yeah. So. And I do have some funny bits in my play about homeless women, because yeah, you can't just have people crying all the way through. You gotta, you gotta make them laugh a little bit. <laughs> what is your favorite part about working in the theater? Well, it's it is strange, and of course, it's interesting being here at the cell, which is a a working incubation space, and there's just so many different things going on here. There's there's music and there's there's interactive theater, there's games, there's culinary stuff, there's plays, there's opera, there's dance. But this, the very small staff, they are here all the time. They work so hard. And actors, I mean, I've got actors in the reading who will come here for a three or four hour rehearsal and then go to another three or four hour rehearsal for a different show. And, and they consider themselves lucky, right? Because I'm, you know, I'm working on several shows. I mean, it, theater artists work very, very hard. And of course, as a writer, I can spend a long time doing almost nothing. Like, I mean, I have, I have a day job, a part-time job, which, you know, which is fine. But in terms of writing, I don't put in nearly as many hours as some of these other artists. And I tell myself, Boy, if you put in that much time writing, you would write a lot more. <laughs> so it's just really interesting looking at how hard people work and how much, of course, there's just so much great talent here. And there's there's a lot of generosity in the New York theater scene that I've been very impressed by. Um, I, I have found people to be, for the most part, quite open. I mean, you know, not everybody, but and, and that's been very gratifying. It's been it's been great. Well, we've come to my favorite question, which I've asked before, so I'll ask it a little differently. But oh, okay. what is one of your favorite theater memories? Because I think we got your favorite last time. Ah, Another oh favorite gosh. theater memory of yours. <laughs> okay, a much more recent one. I had a friend in As You Like It at Central Park in the, the public As You Like It. And, and so she got a bunch of us tickets. So, I mean, obviously... Anybody can get a ticket, but sometimes it's hard to get a ticket for the Central Central Park Shakespeare. And I went to that play, and it was just, you know, first of all, when you go to Shakespeare Park, the audience is just wonderful. It's so New York. And this was particularly so because of the nature of the cast. 
of the plays, various community groups from all five boroughs, I think. So just, you know, for example, one of the characters in, in the play was a, a woman who is a security guard. And she had a solo and she just, she just would, had this amazing voice. And, and this is what the public is able to do with this program is to sort of get, get to people who don't necessarily have a lot of experience as actors and bring these amazing performances out of them. And, and the play was just, you know, and I was a Shakespeare scholar to some degree, right? I taught Shakespeare at university. So initially when it started and there wasn't an enormous amount of Shakespeare and it was very much adapted. And I kind of thought, oh, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work for me. And then I just got completely seduced and I had so much fun. And it was so clear. And this was, there were 60 people on the stage from all ages. You know, they were, they were little kids. They were, they were, you know, clearly senior citizens. It was just, it was just delightful. It was so much fun. So that's, I, yeah, I'd have to say that's, that's up there with my great theater experiences was as you like it. That sounds amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. Are there any other productions or projects that you have coming in the pipeline that we might be able to plug? I have a short play up at a festival, but I can't, it's, it's, it's a small town upstate near Glens Falls, mm -hmm. but, but they've changed the time. So people would have to look at my website to get the date for that. And it's, it's not like, I think it's a four hour drive from the city. So I'm not going to like tell everybody they have to go because I'm not going to go. Yeah. People could just check my website, Kate Wiley Playwright. Yeah. That, that was my next question, which is if yeah. people have more information about the Reading yeah. Sheltered or, or yeah. you, how can they do that? So just, just yeah. katewileyplaywright.com. Mm -hmm. Or they could also check um, the cell because the cell for these residencies, we all did a, a video interview. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be up on the cell website probably soon by tomorrow, maybe. Wonderful. And I don't have that. It's not on my website yet. So. Hey, thank you so much for. Oh, for taking well, thanks the time for having me. me. I, it's always fun. Anytime. I love speaking with you. I love getting the chance to hear about your work. I, I look forward to coming to hear the reading. I just. Great. I feel so honored that I got to meet you at, at the last show, Two Truths and a Lie. Now here we are talking about your next work. And I can't wait to hear what the next show and the next show is. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Fun. Yeah. Great. Thank well, thanks me. a lot, Andrew. This is fun. And it's always fun chatting about Salt Lake. It's, you know, because Denver, Salt Lake have a lot in common. So. <laughs> it's kind of Denver, but just, yeah. you know, dry. Yeah. Alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Dry. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. My guest today has been Kate Wiley, the playwright of the new show Sheltered, which is having a reading on Monday, March 13th at 6 p.m. at The Cell in Chelsea. The tickets for this are free, but you need to reserve them, and you could do so by visiting thecelltheater.org, and that's theater with an R-E. We're going to have all this information as well as Kate's website, katewileyplaywright.com, available on our episode description as well as our social media. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep your masks on, and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. Two friends from 
If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.